Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Well, I'm so delighted to have Michael Kearns, co-founder and chief strategy officer for Armartis. Michael, welcome to Executives at the Edge. And if you can please tell our audience a little bit about yourself and really what Armartis does, that'd be really appreciated. Thank you, Pascal. Thanks for affording me the opportunity. Um, I guess firstly about myself, I'm about 25 years plus working in network management, OSS and BSS and technical uh, product and business leadership roles. Um, prior to founding Amartis back in 2003, which were 20 years to this year, actually. Oh, so it's um, a long time. Um, I headed up a product strategy group actually in uh, Four Systems, uh, Marconi, oh. around their data network management. So I came from a big company, started a small company and uh, grew it from there. And I was CEO of Amartis from 2003 to 2015. Now I'm uh, working on, as the chief strategy officer, looking at new product and service innovation within the company. So trying to grow the company around uh, new products and services. And over the past four years, I've been deeply involved with the uh, MEF, as you know, uh, focused on, we, we built a product which would enable providers, it's called Embrace, which will enable providers to implement quickly the MEF LSO processes and APIs across their BSS uh, stack. I work within the MEF community very closely for the standards development, for the uh, implementation side, and then the adoption with the MEF leadership team. Uh, so that's really myself. Amartis, in the broader sense, is really our, our main areas of focus. We're experts in network and cloud automation software. We work on two fronts, which the inter-provider piece is the newer area for me uh, that I've been developing myself. And then we have OSSBS as transformation where we work with uh, service providers around the globe to support them. A lot around standards and, and best practices and open technologies to try to introduce that agility into their operations around uh, the network, basically. So did Armartis start with automation in mind to begin with? They want... Yeah, that's pretty much our origin. So when I left Marconi, 2003 was uh, sort of telecoms was was uh, a little bit depressed at that oh, yeah. stage, right? Yeah, so, the bust, um, yeah, 2001. So we pretty much uh, took a chance to set something up, had an opportunity, and uh, we started doing consulting services, working with uh, vendors, actually, in a lot of cases. So equipment vendors like Cisco, uh, Ericsson, and other vendors, and we actually uh, helped to build management stacks for the vendors. So we've always been very focused around networks, from the resource right up to the service abstraction in, you know, and around the whole operational side around that, uh, what we would traditionally have called FCAPs type capabilities. Yeah. So, uh, so very familiar with that, worked in TMF and MEF on both sides. MEF obviously from the, we had the layer two uh, ethernet services, which were very popular and growing at that stage. I come from an ATM background. So that was kind of the next evolution. Actually, I, I went through the IPM PLS and the carrier ethernet sort of the combination that went there and sort of all the modeling. So we worked actually across MEF and TMF and uh, did a lot of work there on uh, developing standard API, standard components uh, within the OSS uh, that uh, we would 
bring to market with our vendors, basically uh, vendor partners or customers, you know. Four acquired an Irish company, which was a small network management company. And they had the network management platform that became the ATM network management platform, which expanded into IPMPLS and other areas. And uh, I headed up that whole group. But then Marconi bought the whole uh, of the uh, four systems, but pretty much in space of six months. You know, so one acquisition from a small company to a, a bigger to four and then acquired by Marconi, it was quite interesting. Yeah. So, so are your customers mainly service providers or you also do enterprises too? Uh, more and more of our customers are, 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 actually a lot of our customers are service providers, but we're getting more customers now in the enterprise I can space. Imagine. But what's happening there is it's kind of driven through our engagements because we, we, we work with some vendors uh, on the orchestration space for our OSS BSS transformation business. And they can be engagements at a service provider or an enterprise. Oh, right. So for example, we can be working with some big banks who are big enough to do their own sort of cloud orchestration. And, and we do both cloud and network, so in combinations. So we can often get involved in doing orchestration on that side. With the inter-provider automation today, it's mostly uh, around the supporting the service providers and doing the API development and implementation using our Embrace stack. Got it. And so you really are a system integrator because I know you're a very powerful technical house. Uh, you start like, I mean, I, you said automation systems, but you really have tremendous system integration capabilities, and that's what you kind of do with a lot of your customers. And now you've built a product specifically, and maybe you can tell us a little about the, what this product does. Uh, it seems, I mean, I know in MEP we're using it as a onboard interop test platform, which is an emulator for buying and selling. Um, but it's also used for many, many other areas. So maybe you can help our listeners understand what Embrace does. Yeah, actually, so the, the test platform kind of drew, kind of grew out of the fact that we had an implementation of the MEF LSO processes and APIs fully sort of baked, uh, ready to go. So we could emulate the, the roles, the buyer-seller roles, and then we said it would we'll, we could use that within MEF, which there was a, a requirement emerging to have some sort of sandbox or you know, development tool that you could use for developers or you could test and load your partner's configs and stuff. So, but our, our primary objective in creating the Embrace product, an inter-provider automation product, was to give pre-built uh, processes and APIs to a provider that they could quickly adapt into their BSS, OSS environment. So they have a whole lot of BSS applications already. You know, how do you harmonize those BSS applications and provide outbound processes that are MEF compliant. So we provide uh, the software as a accelerator, which can get you there in a number of weeks. And then what happens is you, we do an integration project. We do an assessment of your BSS landscape and OSS landscape. And we say, okay, what capabilities do you have in the BSS? And in some cases, they might not have the capability in which case we provide the capability. But you're not a BSS vendor though. We're, we're, I would not say we're a BSS vendor, but for the purpose of the MEF processes and APIs, we can provide different means to allow them to actually take the order, like in our UI. Say for example, if they don't have an ordering platform or they don't, they're not ready to integrate it with their back office order system. We, we, can, we can do everything, like we can do the address validation, the POQ quote, we can integrate that with their with their back office systems. And then when they want to do the ordering, we can actually present it in our Embrace UI effectively. 
Got it. So um, the customer can go in and actually process that order and if and do all the engagement with the outbound uh, partner based on uh, you know using UIs or using scripting. So we can kind of do the BSS functionality that's needed. Uh, maybe it's a stopgap. Maybe it's not because sometimes the order volumes are small. They don't justify the uh, you know the the spend on the integration, you know, which can be costly. But in some cases, it's just a saying, okay, we're waiting for our order API or we're in BSS transformation for ordering, so we'll do that, Jim. Now, just for our listeners, the processes involved, I don't think people understand, is the commercial idea is, is you want to be able to check an address for what kind of capabilities and services are, right? And then after that, you want to be able to get a price quote on a service that you want to be interested in, correct? Um, and then from there, if you like it or a customer likes it, they put an order through and that's all automated to gain. Um, and then from the ordering process, then you have to update that inventory because you know you want to make sure your inventory is always up to date on everything you're ordering, correct? And then from there, it goes now into operational aspects. Now, do you cover operational capabilities too, like like service yes. function testing and all the performance management, default management? So actually, uh, very interesting you should ask us that because we've just, uh, you know, the operational APIs of, uh, are, are the next thing to be developed within MEF and actually Coming there's out quite, in a, June. Actually quite a number of our team are developing yeah. the, the operational APIs for our other roles within MEF. But um, actually, we've, we've just, got, just gone into production with the first operational API that I know of from MEF, which is around performance monitoring. No basically. way. In production with a, within, within with the With a providers. satellite company, yeah, no, with a satellite company. Impressive. The satellite business performance is everything. You've got expensive services. I need to know what was the historic, you know, what's happening with my service? Am I getting the right uh, level of performance? And so we've actually just implemented that with, uh, with one of our uh, satellite providers. And uh, that's gone live as well for their first customer, which is actually as an enterprise customer. Uh, interestingly. That's very cool. So, so they want yeah. enterprises want to use an API to know how well their satellite service is performing. Yeah. And in their environment, what they're doing is they're maybe getting services from different vendors or, you know, different suppliers, different satellite providers, and then they create some dashboard and some way of, of pulling that information out and, and showing, you know, this satellite provider also has its own portal, but they want to go a bit deeper and be able to, you know, give me it all, all the, they pull in the data, you know, ba uh, regularly, and then they just say, okay, I'm going to run an algorithm to see if the SLA was upheld or whatever problems might be there. The, this is the kind of concept they would have. But how, where you, how are you collecting that performance data? You would have to go down to the network, collect all that through telemetry information. Are you doing all that? Well, we, we, they have a BSS and an OSS. Okay. And, and what happens in this case, they have a, 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 a back office system, which creates the data into a warehouse. Ah, and, and then you put it in. can present it onto a Kafka sort of engine and it can be retrieved. But we're, our, our main job there is to put the personality on the front end, which is based on the MEF. APIs. One, two, okay. one, three, three, uh, one tree tree standard here for performance monitoring. Got it, okay. So, so basically you take the information and repackage it into an open standard API. Yeah, it's more like, and in that case, that's, that's clearly like we're trying to, they, they, each of these back office platforms, they have different ways of describing the performance stats. Yes, they're yes. non-standard. I mean, that's very common in this satellite world that they've you know, they built their own NMSs and those NMSs have their own ways of doing things. So first part was we, uh, we worked with the provider to define a normalized model 
for all of those. So it doesn't matter which vendor is supporting the terminal in the back office or, you know, supporting the terminal in the network and their NMS. So we, it gets presented back to the customer as here's your stats and you could have three or four different terminal vendors in the back office actually supporting the service. Ah, interesting. Now, another big use case you have is there's a lot of proprietary APIs out, right? So providers have all kinds of proprietary APIs for quote ordering or, you know, all this kind of stuff. You could also do an adapter to their proprietary API to standard, right? Yes. Yeah. That's a, is that because- I mean, that's the most common use case that we would actually work on. So we go to a provider, our process is, okay, what have you got in the back office systems? What do you support in automation? What APIs do you have? Because our, our integration is really around APIs if we want to automate right through to the back office system to make it work, you know? Right. And uh, so we'd ask them about the uh, what APIs they have and we'd do an analysis to see, is this going to fit? Like, you know, sometimes like they what they call quoting, they would actually do the address validation in line in the quote request. So you have to kind of work with what they've got. And then they might say, okay, we're going to do a, a, a change. And, you know, the whole idea then with the, with the layer that we provide is this independent layer that provides a consistent interface to anybody who's interfacing with them, but they can evolve the back office system APIs, you know, it can, it can it, they can continue to use them as they use them in different ways. They might have portals using them, or they might be have internal uh, operations folks on the phone who are using it for orders. Uh, but they can always present the MEF API and processes outbound to anybody who wants to consume them. Or, or and I'm talking a lot about about suppliers, you know, the guys who are sellers, right? But we actually have a buying application too, which does the opposite. It kind of it can create the well-formed uh, MEF API requests based on the MEF process and standard towards the sellers, basically. So you, we can cover both sides. And then we have a third piece, which is tying the two together. So for example, if a, if a request comes into a supplier and that supplier says, I can do this on net, but I actually need to go to some off-net suppliers to do uh, some aspects of that, they can we can automate the processes of going and querying Oh, that's very cool. The, the off-net guy wow, as well. That's very cool. And that's actually something we're working on with some so, providers too. So I was wondering how, if there is a provider, a retail provider, that has a whole partnership of wholesale providers around the planet for getting access to their loops, how does the retail provider now know to go query, let's say, a thousand providers to see, I mean, of course, the geography, you know, thousands covering the same geography. So you kind of help on that? Well... Obviously, the way it works today is you have to have these established relations. We're not just going out, fire yeah, nothing. So, so, yeah. so you have to have established relationships. So yeah, we we can then automate the piece that says, okay, I, I have this incoming request. It says access E line in Italy, and I can go to Italy and say, okay, uh, let's go to Sparkle or Red Alert and uh, and Colt, whoever's serving Italy, Italian area, and give me a you know, can you first. It's the same process, right? Can you do you understand this address? Yeah. What service can you give me at the address? What price can you give it to me for? How 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 soon can you deliver it? And I want to order it now. So that whole thing can be negotiated in the back end for for that. Channel. Wow. So so where where do you see this market headed in terms of enterprise networking, network automation, and then the role of standards? I mean, you keep saying MEP all this APIs. Now, one of the things I think we've done really well is We've tried to get the industry, and I keep saying this, to get to some standard level of how people talk to each other, providers to provider, right? Uh, because it's always been either manual or proprietary, and then if it's a proprietary, then 
one supports that, and you connect another guy, and then you get n squared problems of APIs, and you have to keep up to date. It's the same code with APIs, but all in different formats, right? Or ordering, or all this. So what we'd be trying to map is to try to get a common language, a common API for all of these quote ordering processes and so on, including the operationals, so that it's just developed once and deploy anywhere, right? Uh, like Kubernetes and containers have done, right? So do you see that is, and you're seeing uptake of people was thinking that way? Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, we're quite mature in, in terms of like we've, reached the tipping point for the for the international wholesale market today yeah. like there's there's enough of the big players in international wholesale now automated now we need to get more buying buyers into that market but there's plenty of suppliers in there who are automated with the with the uh, with the processes and apis but i think part of the problem sometimes for those guys is like when they you know it's kind of who's going to move first you know sort of an, another buyer goes in and says okay i gotta change you know the way i do things and i've got to get a lot of people on board it's not easy you know to 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 go and get people to adopt it but i and and i think um i think uh you know we talked about this is it a must have is it a nice to have i think for the wholesale trading domestic and international i think it's a big improvement whether it's a must have just for the purpose of what they use it today i i still have a question about that i'll be honest but I do think there's something very interesting in enterprise networking that's happening that makes it a must-have. And I'll explain that a little bit, right? Okay, because, and you you know this because it's also something that I, you've shared in your vision, you know, sort of that the ultimate end customer is the enterprise. The enterprise network has fundamentally shifted from where it used to be. Sort of centralized, sing network produced within the walls of, of a single provider, IPVPN, firewalls, NATs, deployed inside of the uh, single provider's environment. Yeah, they'd buy circuits, and, you know, the last mile circuits and things, but it was really primarily controlled within the walls of a single provider. But if you look at the, the network where we have it today with SASE, SD-WAN, multi-cloud, satellite, uh, interconnect provider, last mile providers, everything. Actually, that multi-vendor network that we used to have and talk about for many years is now a multi-provider network, okay? So there, so that kind of changes the whole dynamic, right? Because now I need to connect my very mobile customer base, global customer base, employees, partners, to the cloud and resources and applications that are also distributed around the globe. So they're not like some of them, some of those clouds, as we know, can be in the edge. They can be in different central public cloud data centers. And I need to connect them all. And there's no single service provider today who can make all of these connections. So the network has evolved to being multi-provider and there's a lot more choices. You could use satellite access, you can use uh, internet access, you can use private line access. You can use a multi-cloud core to go across the world. Uh, you know, you can use interconnect providers for uh, for connecting between you and other providers who are providing you last mile services or transit services to other locations around the world. If you compare what we used to do in the traditional network management, it used to be all kind of within the OSS stack and you would integrate with the vendor EMS and NMS. But now you, 
you know, you don't have that because that circuit or that core network you're relying on is in another provider's network or it's in another provider's co-located uh, infrastructure that re that exists in a company. So the only way you can manage them is if you have a full suite of processes and APIs to give the same management experience that the enterprise would need. How do you monitor, how do you, and, and additionally, I think in this world, we have this idea that we're actually going to go out and have to negotiate with loads of, uh, of these providers to see who has the service in the right location, what price they can give me, you know, all of these things have to be done. So we have the business negotiation, which is helped by the Sonata APIs in MEF. And then we have the problem of the OSS that we had with the traditional networks, which is how do I provide performance on my network? How do I bring that single dashboard for the enterprise? If it's a managed service provider who's offering, how do I bring that single dashboard? So I think uh, this requires the new architecture and that's where, where those processes and APIs been working on within MEF become like a must have because the enterprise still wants to know that you're able to manage and monitor the network and see what faults are there and be able to offer them the best prices and things like that. So it's truly this switch from this traditional multi-vendor networks we used to have, which were inside the walls of a provider to a multi, truly multi-provider network that's just, that's just served by a lot of different parties basically. That's interesting. Now, what you're saying is that this is probably more catered to the multinationals and large enterprises. That what they want to do is they don't want to outsource everything to just one provider who then on the back end has all their global partners, right? That's traditionally what many of the providers do is they one-stop shop. Come to me, I'll, I'll handle all your networks worldwide, right? And that's the retail offering, right? And, and they try to bundle a bunch of stuff together. And even though they can't deliver it all by themselves because of all parts of the world, but they try to hide that through their partnerships, right? And automation. That's kind of how we started with the whole projects, right? But now you're saying these bigger, larger enterprises, even the multinationals for sure, are saying, you know what? No, I want to connect to all these providers myself in different geographies and basically be able to do the whole coding, ordering, operational aspects I, I, well, I think that I think the enterprise could do it themselves, or a managed service provider could do it on their behalf. But the problem with the managed service provider now has is more complex than it used to be traditionally, because traditionally they'd have like a core provider who's offering the IPMPLS network and and that's they, and, and, you know, global they, core. Yeah. You really looked, at, you really kind of were able to provide all the fault management performance, yeah, But now that uh, even that. MSP or the or the the integrator like IBM or whoever it is is who's managing that network for the large corporate or you know he, he he's basically having to work with a lot more pieces that no longer reside inside a single provider it could be as I mentioned you know an internet interconnect provider a lot of last mile providers a cloud core provider ah. a multi cloud core he now needs to actually handle all of that and deliver the same management that he had before plus he needs to do all the negotiation piece so what tools does he have at his disposal to do that efficiently it's not very easy if you if you tried to do that today you have to go to your interconnect no, provider no, no, use their portal I, I, if you I go to it. the multi-cloud guy you have to use the multi-cloud vendor management and then or if you want to go with the public cloud provider you do that you want to get the edge cloud provider you've got to go to that so i think there's a big 
opportunity to connect what we're doing in the world of the enterprise cloud network and SD, SD-WAN, SASE, to what we're doing in the in the actual APIs and processes. Because remember, these are the pieces, the piece parts that make up the enterprise. Now, ultimately, that's the enterprise is our ultimate customer for everything we're doing. Basically, that is actually brilliant. You know, I'll put that in my plenary next time in in Montreal because uh, it's brilliant. What you're just saying is, let me recap to see if I got it right. What you're saying is most multinationals, a large enterprise, has a network integrator that takes care of their network. So it could be, I won't put names out there, but they normally outsource and say, hey, you you manage my network for me, right? And that's been the traditional world because they don't have their own network staff. Some do, but most of them just outsource it, yeah, right? right? And what you're saying now is that same managed provider that doing the network management that was normally with products of all kinds is saying, oh, wait a minute, I have to have tools and everything to now be able to connect to all these providers who are, who are running doing, in their own infrastructure and their yeah, own locations. And so and now all of a sudden they're using these APIs and these automation systems themselves to do that instead of manual people. Do I have they, right? have, they will have to do they that. Have to. This kind of, to, to this kind of enterprise cloud the, the network margins, has yeah. sort of snuck up on people, I think, in a way. You know, they started using some multi-cloud and then somebody said, use the multi-cloud core as your backbone and because you can't get access to some locations or use an interconnect you know, provider who can give you a transit across their fabric or something like that. And they just started adding these. I don't think they realized that actually I would... I'm going to have a headache trying to manage all of this because I don't control that circuit. Yeah. yeah. I don't control that core yeah, it's, and it's not standardized. I, 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 if I'm in their position as if they're an MSP or an integrator, I want to standardize how I deal with all these guys because I, I, I need would, to be able to funnel it back up into some yeah. single pane of glass. And, and if I can't do that, I have, I'm not going to be able to offer them a service. Uh, basically, I'm not going to be able to say it's a managed service because it's not a managed service. It's a, Stovepipe uh, network, basically. I, I love the use case, actually. I'm going to definitely put that up in the plenary next time because I think it's brilliant. I think you're spot on, and I do remember the network integrators going and manage all the different vendors' products on behalf of multinationals. And now what they're struggling with is that's all outsourced, right, into the service providers, and now they have to get all of that knowledge. As, we get all that information and bring it back like, yeah, in. Yeah, just and see how it's operating and operating it. Yeah, operate them. Yeah. It, it, with the same reliability and quality, it's just like a, it's a mega opportunity because we've got lots of flexibility in the network now, a lot of diversity in, in the options we have, but we now we've got a bigger management headache. You know? Yeah, so yeah, as it. network as a service becomes more and more powerful, then the idea is uh, an enterprise of multinationals doesn't rely on one retail provider to do the whole global thing, he, uh, he says, no, 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 I'm relying on my network integrator who then manages that on behalf of all of these NAS providers. Or even what I'm saying is the retail provider themselves, because they're a B2B arm, they're not necessarily relying on their network. And we have some cases where actually they could, they could just use last mile circuits in their local in-country national wholesale, oh. but the rest of the network is being supported by suppliers in different countries, a multi-cloud core, it's completely not their network at all. They're, they're, they're offering a service that is, well, that, is that built one I know. of other suppliers. Yeah, that one it. I always present, but I think the opportunity from the enterprise itself is pretty wild, wild. And I think that's where I think there's a huge opportunity. Well, Michael, I know we're running late here on time. So um, thank you so much for this great um, enlightenment and all the great work that 
our Mars has done and continues to do in MEF. So very appreciative. And it's been a pleasure. Any last thoughts before we close out? Well, that's great. I'm glad I've had the opportunity to have a chat with you and share the insights that we have. You know, some, some exciting things going on in, in the market at the moment. Absolutely. Well, with that, thank you so much. Thanks.